0: Hi, Fam. Woo! Get ready for a most healing, intriguing, real, and powerful conversation today on Ceremony Circle Podcast. I'm your host, shaman, and author, Allison Charles. And today I am truly so very honored to be joined by a very dear friend and fellow shaman, Paul K. Alexander. And wow, 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 did this conversation have me shook it? truly. Even though I've known Paul for many years, today he shares things with us that I had no idea about, things that I don't even want to touch on or allude to here in the intro, because I want your first knowing of it to all come straight from Paul. I will just say it pertains to major ancestral healing, and being the shifter in his family's line and transmuting childhood pain he endured from bullying around his Asian heritage and so much more. So needless to say, Paul has had a very initiatory voyage into the path of being a healer and shaman from some incredibly intense and life-altering childhood experiences that he shares about to heading to a monastery with the intent of becoming a monk, to becoming a New York City police officer, to training in Kung Fu and earning a black belt, to getting his master's in Chinese medicine and becoming one of the most talented and tapped in acupuncturists I have ever had the honor to work with. Two, devoting to the Taoist shamanic path where he eventually became initiated after many years of training and study. Now, one of my favorite parts of this conversation was diving into some of the most powerful and otherworldly experiences that we've had. I'm talking removal of entities, working directly with Ascended Master Jesus, archangels, and other spiritual guides. We also delve into what Taoist shamanism is, the founding principles of it, and some of the trainings he endured on this lineage-specific path, how he merges his incredible healing abilities with his acupuncture, shamanism, and energy work, overcoming the doubt of the thinking mind when you're on the spiritual path and letting go into the void and the great mystery. And one of my other favorite topics, of course, we dive into Animal Power. Paul is one of 25 global contributors for my book, Animal Power, that is now available for pre-order. Woo! Inserting my own applause because, wow, it truly, writing this book was one of the most challenging, initiatory, and miraculous honoring voyages of my life, by far, and you can now pre-order Animal Power everywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, independent bookstores, internationally. All you have to do is head to my website, allisoncharlescom backslash Animal Power. And once you've purchased your pre-order copy, you just enter in your receipt number and you will be instantly sent a totally complimentary video-guided shamanic journey facilitated by yours truly, and this journey will take you to meet, talk with, and receive blessings from the power animal who is most empowering your life right now. And of the 100 animals featured in my compendium book, the raven is the animal that Paul shares about. So you're going to hear about why this experience he had with raven has helped him so immensely, especially on his shamanic path. And you know, at the end of every episode, we immerse you in a beautiful ritual or ceremonial practice. And the one Paul shares today is one that I am now inspired to do every morning at my altar because I was instantly aware of the power of it. I cannot stress the magnificent medicine in this episode enough. So light a candle if you have one and open yourself up to receive on this voyage in becoming fully you with Taoist shaman, Paul K. Alexander. Okay, now I can officially look at you. I was trying to like, you know, wait for the true connection moment for for when we're, we are alive and, and here we are because, you know, you have such a special place in my heart, Paul. I mean, we've known each other for quite a number of years at this point. Yes. I don't know how many, but probably at least, I want to say at least six. I, that's just a, you know. I, I guess.
1: I'm so in the moment, Allison, that I forget yesterday. So yeah, six works for me. We've known um, each other
0: I, for six years, yeah. You
1: know, I, I remember how excited I was when when you came to the office a few times, and just your presence is extraordinary, and it was before my shamanic initiation, and I just remember yelling, there's a shaman here! I was, no one got that but you, but I was so excited. I'm like, oh, my, we're cut from the same cloth. So yes, it's been a beautiful journey, and, and i so grateful that we're here in this moment now together.
0: Yeah, and I and I do remember that and I had noted that. You since the day we met Have always been so honoring of me. And that really stood out. And I don't know why, but especially anytime I meet a man that has that capability. In fact, even just saying that right now, I get a little bit emotional. You know, for some reason, when I encounter a man who has the capabilities inside of themselves to really see me and fully respect and revere and honor who I am and the work that I've done to be in this place of embodiment, it just carries with it a very special energy. So I wanted to thank you for, you have done that since the day I met you.
1: It's it's genuinely reciprocated, Allison. And if I had to go back to those that time, it's when I look at you, I don't see male or female. I see someone who I'm aspiring to be. So for you to have already been out there declaring yourself a shaman, that is not uh, an easy title to work with. So it was absolutely one of adoration, love, but I would also use the word uh, mirroring where I I was hoping at that point to also step into the shoes you were in. So it is equally reciprocated. So thank you for being you, Mm -hmm. which allows me to be me.
0: (laughs) Ah, yes, yes, yes. Perfect way to put it. And so even though we've known each other for a long time and we'll get into, you know, some of the times that we have shared space in different capacities, I definitely want to dive into those. But before we do that, you know, it's been also a long time since we've been able to see each other. I, Got the call to leave New York City after being there for like 15 years. I became by bi- coastal, then I got the instruction to officially move to LA, and it was through that portal in time that I got connected with my fiance in the way that we are now because we had been friends and then all of a sudden things change. Now we live in Texas, so. I haven't had a in-person session with you for a long time or seen you face-to-face like this in a while. So I just wanted to start by hearing, how are you and what, I feel like a lot has transformed for you in the last year and a half. So let's start there.
1: Oh my God. Thank you so much, Allison. That's That's a loaded question, but one of absolute reverence and, and gratitude that you would allow a platform for me to share. Yes, for all of us, right? This has been a wild last year and a half. When shutdown happened, of course, panic came in and was wondering how I'm going to sustain a practice because in-person sessions were no longer allowed in New York City. So I ended up giving my place up in Brooklyn and I went home to my family of origin. I ended up living with my parents for a while.
0: Where was that?
1: We're in Rockland County. They're right outside of the city. And it was the home I grew up in since I was eight years old. So I remember, I think it was Ram Dass who said, if you think you're enlightened, go back home and spend a week with your family of origin and reevaluate that statement. (laughs) So it really, it opened up the floodgates of some deep healing. And if uh, you would allow me to just process a little bit and hold some space for me as I do so, what it involved was a lot of memories of my upbringing. And what that entailed without going too much into detail was severe abuse. I moved up to this area Rockland County when I was eight and I was the only, one of the only Asian Americans in that area. So I first encountered the word chink at that age, right? So at, I think it was in second grade and it involved a lot of uh, fist a lot of bullying, things like that. So it created this kind of rambunctious kid inside me and all the while i had two parents who were pediatricians of all things and they could not really accept they come from a culture a thai asiatic culture that was very much discipline and authoritative inclined right so anytime i acted out of that paradigm i was hit and when I say hit, it began first and foremost with a few hits. And as the years progressed, it became um, very abusive, where almost on a daily basis, I was getting, um, I guess the word to be tortured for a good twenty to thirty minutes. And that provoked a lot of uh, fear inside of me. And I held those those um, memories inside for many years. So this return home, as we can call it, Was this opportunity to revisit it, right? Because my parents are no longer the parents that did that to me. They are who they are now. We have our separate journeys, but they kind of came together now. And it's been one of, I think, redemption for them and one of deep healing for me.
0: Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. So much potent medicine in that share. And I'm curious. Before you even got in your car to head back to that childhood home, did you have an awareness of or an intention, you know, in going back to that location and to that home, did you know that you would want to go to those next deeper layers of healing those places? And so did you enter into the experience with that intention? And I'm also curious, to the degree you feel comfortable sharing, you know, were there actual conversations held around what occurred when you were growing up, and how did some of that healing take place?
1: Thank you, again. There was not that intention. I was pretty much experiencing that spiritual word of surrender. I had to move back out of necessity, and the way things unfolded is exactly what needed to happen. The dialogue the invitation to speak to my parents, uh, about what happened. That is very much on the forefront of the to-do list that needs to happen as part of my healing, as well as I believe theirs. So I'm grateful that you're going to bring that up because those are very wise, gentle suggestions that that should, that needs to happen.
0: Mm -hmm. So how long were you there?
1: so I was there until, uh, 18 and then I went off to college. I went to, uh, Berkeley first. Okay. And then I just, I had my life experiences. So this is, this was my first time I'm 45 now. So probably 25 years later. Wow. Yeah. That proverbial journey home.
0: Right. And so when you went back to the house during the time of COVID, how long did you go back for?
1: So I was alternating between, uh, staying there and staying with my girlfriends. So I was staying there maybe four days out of the week and three days not. And I'm actually continuing to do that because it doesn't feel
2: complete yet.
0: Mm. Interesting. Wow, this is all so beautiful. I'm just taking it in as you're sharing. And so, can you reveal to us during the time that you've already spent with them, how did one of those threads of healing reveal? It, can you give us one example of how some of this shift took place for you?
1: Yeah, and if if I may, I'm going to go a little bit deep, so I hope you nor the audience gets a little bit too uh, upset about this but it's part of the human experience. And I I just want to kind of preface it that in my journey, one thing I will not allow myself to go into, and I I always hope to take my clients into this role, is not the role of victim. I I never want to play the role of, of victim because I believe that everything happens exactly as it's meant to, even the things that are very difficult to contend with. But to answer your question, it came back in the form of flashbacks where, In conversations with my mom and dad, I would suddenly get a memory of what happened. And these are deep childhood abuse situations that were buried in my consciousness. And one quite visceral memory I had was one time, uh, I believe it was one of the last times, I think I was 12 years old, I had shut my car door too loud. That was not of my father's approval. So he came out of the car and, choked me unconscious, and then smashed my head into the concrete and then choked me unconscious again. And soon after that, about a week after that, I attempted suicide. And what it involved was me stepping off uh, a stairs that I had. I put a rope around my neck and I stepped off and I blacked out. And the only thing that I remember is in that moment of unconsciousness, a male figure picking me up. And then placing me down and just feeling a lot of light around my body. So these are one some of the memories that have resurfaced in this last year. Wow. Um, To deepen that a little bit more, and thank you again for holding space, Allison. I genuinely appreciate it because I can feel you doing that, which is providing me with some deep healing. And and I'm super grateful because the um, amount of people I've told this story to is less than the amount of my hand. So thank you so much. Um, I have a love for the martial art called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And what it involves is two people slapping hands and trying to get the other to submit. And I never understood my fascination with it because it's, it's really um, unusual to want to get another guy to wrestle and, and kind of move like that. But what I recognized from a subconscious standpoint was I was trying to literally wrestle out that experience of what it was like to be strangled unconscious by my dad. And I never fought back in that instance, but every time I get on the mats, it's a recognition on my part that I have a chance to heal by fighting back and not be so tightened or scared when someone's trying to
0: suffocate you.
1: And that's the beauty of something like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because
2: it makes you face your fears um, and teaches you humility.
0: Oh my goodness. This is truly one of the most uh, special conversations I've ever had. And I just want to thank you for your willingness because I had no idea that you had gone through any of this. And I also had no idea that we would be able to be in this space together with you sharing about it today. So I'm just very present to the power of you sharing and the gratitude for you doing so, because I know anytime someone steps into this level of this kind of place, I know how of service it is for all listeners. Yes. So I want to thank you. And I'm curious, you know, when you were in that moment of Attempting to commit suicide and you felt the the being lift you up Was it an otherworldly being or was it your father? Who was that?
1: I am still attempting to make contact because I am desperate to thank that Angel of light for not allowing me to go before my time It was not my father. It was not of this world The only thing I can call it is a divine angelic presence that just didn't let me step out before my time.
0: Wow. Uh, so just honoring whoever that angel of light, whoever that being was, taking a moment to, if if it's okay with you to bring them into this space and to just honor and thank them. Wow. Oh my goodness. And so, As you were lifted up and that intention to commit suicide was not coming to fulfillment, do you recall, was there a sense of relief or was there a sense of being upset that you had been saved? And did your parents, did they or do they know that that occurred?
1: Yeah, from that point on, that there was actually peace. I, I, never, I had never gotten hit again after that. My parents had no idea that that happened. I told them maybe 20 years later, and um, I don't think they quite understood the, the closeness or the severity of what happened. And in their defense, Allison, they were doing the best that they could. It, it's, um, their behavior was very much enculturated there of Thai origin, my father coming from one of the poorest villages in Thailand. So he knows a darkness that I'll never comprehend. So he was doing something that was just organically conditioned in him since early on. Now, I've come to this awareness of something called healing ancestral trauma in these last few months, and I never really was aware of what that was or could embody it, but um, as hopefully a living testament of what that is, it's a real phenomenon where I like to think, or it's at least a story that helps me heal, that by me not doing this obviously to my child and to forgive my parents and to break the cycle of abuse, I feel like they say, you heal the seven generations before and the seven generations after. And I would like to think that that's happening.
0: Absolutely. And three different things came in with that share. Number one, I'm so glad you brought that up because I do speak to that a a lot. I call us the shifters. We're the shifters in the family line. And there are so many of us shifters incarnated at this time to do exactly the work that you just shared. And then the other piece that came in, was how yeah you never want to go into that victim archetype or those victim energies because as shamans you know we're very aware of the contracts and soul teachings and assignments and evolutionary components that we sign on for in order for us to embody the calling and the mission and 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 the things that we incarnated to do and of course With that awareness, we know that all of these threads are woven in to serve that ultimate objective of of being in true divine embodiment for our shamanic calling. So you um, having endured all of that and, and having those Divine, mystical, life changing experiences at such a young age, I, I know played a huge role in the man that you are today. And, and yes, I was curious. I, I've never met your son, but I knew that you had a son. So I was curious. That was the third piece that came in. Is did you become a father before or after you were spiritually awakened? And how did you? navigate that i would guess if i were in your shoes i would probably have a bit of fear that those ways that were of your ancestry were maybe ingrained in me and how do i ensure that they just don't pour out even if i don't want them to pour out how did you navigate that
1: i knew at the age of eight that i was going to have a son i can very clearly remember getting a toy, and I I just, for whatever reason, said, no, I'm going to not open this one. I'm going to save it for my son. This is at eight years old when I'm prepubescent. It just was an inner knowing. So when I was gifted with my son, his name is Sage, uh, almost 13 years ago, yes, of course, the the trepidation and the concern and the fear that I would replay what was done to me was there in the beginning. But I believe strongly that uh, Sage and I have, um, we go way back so he's uh his journey here so far has been really light oriented and such a an easy ordeal. So I was never challenged in the way that I
0: challenged my parents so with sage, it's been a pretty effortless journey because of the being he is yes, yes, okay. so
1: there there's been really no hiccups or really tests of of um, trying to keep my cool. He's just very easy to have as a
0: son hmm. and so was there like, do you classify that moment where you had a massive divine intervention to save your life? um, when you were attempting to commit suicide, do you look at that as the moment you had a spiritual awakening or did you have another moment later in life that led you over into the shamanic path? How, how has that functioned for you?
1: So before that experience where I attempted suicide, I was oftentimes visited by the other worlds. And it was, it was a, a common occurrence where, for instance, in my backyard, I would see a man in bearskin. And I had no he looked like a caveman to me. I had no idea who he was. I later would find out that he was a guardian for, of mine, specifically a berserker. This, these were the, uh, the warrior shaman of Norse. And mythology. So I would also be visited as I was sleeping by just energy standing next to me. And oftentimes I would, off people, see their aura and their energies. And once I took that action to end my life, that stopped, that all stopped. So it kind of like turned the off switch to those, um, I would call psychic abilities. And it was when I resumed a martial art called Gujuru. And in that, it's an ancient martial art. You learn these things called katas, which are prearranged movements. And specific to the way I was taught, they create mandalas and sacred geometric designs as you move. So it began to open up memories of those abilities. And I would um, oftentimes speak to my teacher about this. And for him, it was a common occurrence. But for my parents, who were of the intellectual mind, they were still practicing physicians at the time. It was nonsensical. So I went to college. I was still having semi experiences now and I was going to be a monk. I went to Thailand with the, the intention that I'm going to enter the monastery. And my parents brought me to the head abbot. And I was so excited because I was confident that as I began to share my experiences with the abbot of seeing the other realms, he would validate my experiences in front of my parents saying I'm not uh, I'm not out there and, and what I'm seeing is true. And instead, we had a whole audience uh, of my family around uh, our fellow monks and the abbot. And I began to share my experiences of connecting to the other realms. And in front of everyone, he said that everything that I was witnessing was fake, it was an illusion, and it was only of my mind. And I felt my heart at that moment crumble because I was truly hoping for validation from someone that at least my parents would would, uh, respect. So I didn't become a monk. (laughs) And I guess those abilities to see, those psychic abilities, they shut down again. And instead, 9-11 happened shortly after, and I became a police officer.
0: That was one of my questions. I was like, did I dream that up? It's on my list. I was to ask you if you were a cop before. I'm like, where did I get that? Did I dream this or was that true? It was true.
1: It was true, right? So right after 9-11, I was um, heartbroken about what happened and I didn't know what to do. I felt like I needed to do something. So um, I applied to the military, the fire department, and the NYPD. And the first to, to respond was the NYPD. And I, I became a police officer and. Um, that was quite the experience and heartbreaking also to say the least but nowhere near what my soul was calling me to do so after a short while about a almost two and a half year endeavor i decided to quit the apartment, and i moved back to san francisco and that's where i was exposed to acupuncture and that's when i began the journey home the real journey home
0: i am just so fascinated and i'm also so grateful that it And all the years I knew you, we actually didn't have these conversations yet because in real time, I am just so shook in the best (laughs) of ways. I'm shook right now. Like learning your passageways and like, it's like this vision of you like ping-ponging back and forth between like the spiritual and otherworldly and psychicness and shamanic, then back into like the earthly and the more combative or like not combative, but you know, it's like, um, the more physical and, you know, the martial arts and, and being a police officer. And then you'll, you know, then you go to a monastery. I mean, it's just like the, this back and forth, Voyage just makes knowing who you are today and what you embody today all the more astounding because you have had to work through and step through and transcend so many layers of various resistances. The fact that somehow your soul was strong enough to keep... (laughs) coming back alive inside of you to get your attention over and over again, despite these really strong encounters to perhaps debilitate you. It's very inspiring.
2: Thank you, Allison, so much.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And so-
1: I nice uh, tangent just a little bit? Yeah. Um, so- acupuncture was the beginning of the journey home and i went to pacific college of oriental medicine and i graduated in 2009 and i still hadn't had what you call the spiritual awakening yet it was still under the radar i would get every now and then glimpses of um, i would see ghosts i definitely always saw aura but not the um the awakening process that you're referring to just yet right but what was really cool in my experience as a novice acupuncturist is people would come in with all sorts of musculoskeletal complaints. And as I began to work on them, those issues, if you call them that, began to resolve naturally, spontaneously within me. Meaning if someone came in with knee pain and I worked on their knee, I had knee pain. My knee pain went away. If I started helping someone through their back pain and I helped alleviate their pain. My back pain went away. And and so I found this really mystical correlation of what it was to help another person. And then I began to extend it out beyond the scope of musculoskeletal. I asked myself if I could help, truly help them holistically from all perspectives, mind, body, and soul, mind, body, and spirit, what would happen? And it was the same phenomena where I began to open-heartedly help someone and as I began to help reconstitute their journey, their life, their healing, those aspects healed organically within me, which I found to be profoundly sacred and in this last share with you, where I'm having flashbacks of beatings and abuse of what I went through, the clients that I've been seeing now for over 10, 12 years have began to just again organically begin to share with me their stories of abuse Now I never even let them know what I was going through. But there's something to be said about vibration and energy that when I begin to resonate at a certain frequency, it invites the person I'm sitting with to do the same. So now I'm working with people with deep trauma, right? We're working together. And as they begin to heal, I'm beginning to heal again, right? So it's this beautiful, mystical recognition that we are all
0: one. Hmm. Yes. Aho. Amen. To to that for sure. And two things. I'm curious. I would guess you were able to witness within yourself how far you have evolved and be witness to all the years of deep work that you've put in in observing when the flashbacks would happen. How you could navigate and be in relationship to those. So I'm curious if you could give an example of like when the flashback came up for you, how you were able to be with it, speak to it, work with that in that moment. And I'm also curious, did you get guided to any particular location within this town to also like revisit or work your way through? Like, I don't know if you went to the school where you encountered some things. So I'm curious about that too.
2: It's,
1: I feel, I feel like at this point in my journey, I'm very much always guided and it's, it's very natural at this point. So to pinpoint one specific thing, that's not it. That's not how I kind of get my uh, guiding, guiding forces. I have the blessing of having one of the most Magical teachers, probably on this planet for me. Um, his name is Master Jeffrey Yan, and he's one of the most sought after teachers in Chinese medicine. But what most people don't know, or a lot of people don't know, is he's actually an 88th generation Taoist priest. So he comes from a long line of Taoist masters and teachings. So when I go through these healing crises, he's someone I can always return to as a uh, a guiding force of healing and light for me. I've also been incredibly blessed to have found what some call a twin flame, my other half. And um, she's just my earth, my rock, and my stability when I'm going through my healing crises. And what you said before, it's yes, I think I've humbly stated, cultivated the knowingness that when I'm in that this process, it is worthwhile sitting in it and allowing the emotions and the fire to consume me so that it can be released and healed. So I've got a few different tools to rely on when the flashbacks come.
0: Mm. Oh my goodness. I'm just tuning in to the current, the river, and where to flow with you next. I think let's go back to the acupuncture because I know you ended up getting your, your master's, right? You have, you have your master's degree in Chinese medicine along with a a bunch of other trainings and certificates. But I think it's so cool how when I got the downloads after meeting you to then start to have some session work with you, it, it was so powerful for me for a lot of different reasons, but your merging of the acupuncture with the energy healing with the shamanism and specifically the Taoist form of shamanism that you're initiated in. So I know there's a lot to unpack within that trifecta orb, but whatever is coming up for you in terms of like, because there are a lot of healers out there now that we all have a unique alchemical makeup and divine blueprint, but like a lot of us do merge various ancient wisdoms. And sometimes there's just not it's hard to put human words and titles on what it is that we do. So I would love for you to share a little bit about how all of that ended up coagulating and coming together, your your master's in acupuncture and Chinese medicine. And then you continued, I assume, to have various layers of spiritual awakening and understanding the healing powers perhaps within your hands and then, you know, leaning into um, your training and in, in Taoist shamanism. Like how did that all start to come together for you?
1: Okay, so in 2009, I graduated. And like I shared, I began to treat. And it was very much clinically oriented. I had my, my left brain was very engaged. I approached healing as a very much a, a Western dynamic where a patient comes in, they've got a diagnosis. I work with that. So I did that for a few years, probably until 2014. At this point, Sage's mom and I started to split, right? So we ended that relationship and I was beginning to find myself again in my own sense of freedom. Something happened that year, though, where I had a full day of treating patients and I came back to my office and I found myself hyperventilating. Out of nowhere, was—I uh, was short of breath and I it was anxiety-ridden. What people would diagnose and call a panic attack, and I had never experienced that before. And I'm in this office of mine in New York City, and I'm breathing deeply. And I something did come to me, and it just said, "Stop breathing." So I just—I stopped. I laid down, and I could hear my own thoughts. And I said, "I'm not going to breathe again until I get a sign." that i'm being watched over and cared for and that the divine is real and it seemed like an eternity it was probably just a few seconds but the whole office just went light it became like a greenish white light and i felt an energy coming towards me and i felt a a hand being placed on my chest and it was one of absolute divine love and i could hear the words the word breathe. And I remember breathing in deeply. And it was almost like this rebirth, instantaneous rebirth of a new beginning. And that would, I would say would be the first of my true spiritual awakenings where I recognize there's something otherworldly beyond me going on here. So I began to seek out teachers. I began to explore different types of healing. And I found someone very extraordinary. She's no longer with us, but her name was Judith Starr Medicine. And she was a very powerful shaman living in, I believe, Kingston at the time. And in working with her, I got introduced to, she was of the Lakota tradition. So she would use those shamanic practices. But what was also really cool was that she was a longtime student of my now beloved teacher, Master Jeffrey. And things kind of fell into place. And a few years later, I became his student. And as I began to work more intimately with him, he began to teach a course on Taoist shamanism. And what I began to remember was that, or I guess be taught again, be taught, is that shamanism is actually the root of acupuncture in Chinese medicine, right? Then there's Taoism. So shamanism is the root of all of Chinese medicine. If we look at the word ling shu, which is the scripture of the needles, ling means soul, shu means pivot. And what the ancients are trying to teach is that every time you are needled with acupuncture, it is an attempt to return you back to your soul, to pivot you back to you. Mm. Right, so that's been... Kind of uh, the stepping stone to this new way of treatment.
2: Now,
0: that is so amazing. I did not know that, and I doubt many people, yeah. yeah, know that. It makes a little bit more sense. Like I've always resonated and love acupuncture, as you know. And every time, um, especially in having sessions with you, I mean, they each session truly felt life changing, and there was just something in my soul and being that that loved it and gravitated. To it, and I didn't really fully understand why, other than I just could sense the magnitude. Like it is, it is powerful medicine, but now knowing that it's rooted from that shamanic place, it makes you know another layer of uh, understanding for me why I love it so much. And so now I'm being taken to some of our sessions together one that i had kind of forgotten about was when you had a small circle gathering in the exact location that you're doing your zoom from right now so it's it's fun for me to actually see the space that space has you know provided a lot for me so it's cool to feel the energetics of it and i remember in that small circle gathering i i don't even recall the theme of that night um, what exactly we were doing but i but i remember in the beginning of the ceremony I recall seeing like an archangel in your bathroom. I don't even remember if it was Gabriel or Michael. I think it was one of the two. And I remember telling, sharing to you in front of the group that there was an archangel hanging out in your bathroom and with us. And and he had that had a message for us. I don't even recall what it was. And I also can't remember if, if Jesus was also present that night, uh. but I would like for us, Jesus is my main love and light guide this lifetime. And I just was reflecting even again, I do regularly, but just yesterday, I just gets me emotional every time I think about him because I just, I don't even know, you know, sometimes how I would have gotten through some of the steps and layers on this path. If he weren't my main guide, you know, just the way his path worked, and the level of love and forgiveness and compassion that he was able to embody has been a main guiding force for me and staying strong in who I am and holding that space as a woman shaman and and holding the line. I know that his teachings and embodiment and his visits to me on a regular basis have helped keep me strong. So I'm curious for you, you know, is Jesus a guide for you and the archangels? Awesome.
2: I love
1: it. I love this. Thank you so much for opening it up. To all the other possibilities. You're truly inviting me and the audience to get out of our, our heads, specifically our left brain and these phenomena. Yeah, they exist. What, what you and I were experiencing when you came over during one of the ceremonies we had, I loved it because when I shared that instance where I was having the panic attack, what came to me, who came to me, was what they would call the Archangel Raphael. And, you know, I was raised in the um, Asiatic Buddhist tradition, so I had no idea. I had no idea what that energy was like. But all I can say it was divine love, like you say, acceptance and forgiveness. So that was my first experience with the Archangel Raphael. And yes, you did acknowledge both Archangel Michael and Raphael, who I actually work a lot with now, they were with us. And I was so like incredibly happy that you sensed that. Jesus, oh, Allison, it's um, a quick story if I may. It must've been a few months after my initiation to Taoist shamanism. I was bitten by a brown recluse spider, okay? I was bitten at the back of my right knee, right in the center. Now that is a very powerful nexus of energy in Chinese medicine. The point is known as UB40, okay? We'll get into that in a second, but the sucker, the brown recluse spider, beat me in the back of the knee there. And after a few hours, it became acutely necrotic. I thought I was gonna lose my leg. And as I think you might anticipate, I have a massive aversion towards Western medicine. And it's it's not because of Western medicine, it's because of the, the familial background of, of experience I had with two pediatricians, right? So I don't really have too much faith in that modality just yet. I'm hoping things will change, but I refuse to go to the hospital. And my, my twin flame's name, her name is Natalie, and she's actually a very gifted shaman. She's a natural born healer. And she encouraged me to go to the hospital. And when she recognized I wouldn't, she asked me to lay down, and she performed ceremony over me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It must have been uh, five hours. I was At this point, I was delirious with high fever. I must have been 104. And when I say my leg was necrotic, there's photos. I'm, I kid you not. I thought I was going to lose my leg. It, the whole thing was just blistered up and beginning to rot. And in Natalie's prayers over me, I was visited with what first was a bright golden light And all I could feel was just love and healing and forgiveness and redemption. And in an instant, Allison, my fever broke, my leg fully healed and I didn't see the face, but I knew it was Jesus. And the interpretation, there was no language, but the inner knowing that I got is he said, you need to know what a miracle is. And I came out of my state and I looked at Natalie and Natalie had this big smile. Natalie's from Syria, so she's from that ancient land. And she too had many Christ uh, encounters and uh, oh, it was just such a beautiful spontaneous healing. And I do now embody and know what spontaneous healing is. And I've had the privilege of being the channel Will allow that to happen, so yeah, I, I love Jesus, and he is one of the most gentle but powerful energies I have ever felt, and even as we speak he 's in my heart, and i 'm taoist
2: <laughs> and I love that man
0: <laughs> so good what what a powerful story to share, Wow, I mean. And it's just one example of infinite possibilities that can occur when you walk the hero's journey, the shamanic path specifically, like these different initiations and experiences we endure so that we can know and be embodied with whatever that type of medicine is that we need to be of service with. We have to experience it and know it and embody it first. And so that story is just one example of how the divine can work in such astounding, surprising, unexpected ways in order for us to be that particular thing. And so that message coming in for you of, of of you, you need to know what a miracle is or what was the.
1: Yes. You need to know what a miracle is. Oh my gosh. Well, I got to experience that first time and it was powerful.
0: Wow. And I'd love to, you know, now that we're in this space of, you know, these stories and occurrences that you and I know are so real, they're just as real as me looking at this glass of water on the table here. And and I know a lot of the people listening are of that same knowingness too, but yet they are the kind of stories that can come across as far-fetched or um, hard to believe to the human, logical or egoic mind, and so I'd love if there's even one or two other examples we could get into. This one's, you know, a much lighter example. But I remember one session I had with you. I, I had this awareness one day. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got this like this being. I, I could tell that I had this creature inside of me, and. Once it became clear that this being was there, I remember I wrote an email to you trying to explain. I was like, okay, so number one, I need to get a session scheduled. This is why. And I remember it was pretty long, me trying to explain it's living in like my left trap area, and it's not a knot. I can tell that it's a being. And you, you responded right away. You were like, oh yeah, this sounds like a such and such, and I can't remember the word, and I hope you remember. And then I came in. And we sat and talked before I got on the acupuncture table, and i remember <laughs> I remember when you were working on me, you were using like particular tools, and when it finally got released, you're like, "Yes, I got it. Damn, I'm good at what I do." And you're like, "I don't mean to sound you know I, I don't mean to sound you know um arrogant, but but God, I'm good." And I was like, "No, you are good." And it was just this whole funny experience, and I remember as you were like. Excavating and coaxing it out, you know, I didn't. I never felt fear because I could tell that this little gobliny creature, it wasn't trying to be mean or nasty or like. It, it, I just could feel it was mischievous. Ah, yes, you know, <laughs> and it, because even that morning, once we had gotten the session scheduled that day, leading up to me arriving at your place, it went dormant. It pretended that it wasn't there anymore. And I know it was trying to do that so that I would maybe like, feel like I didn't need the session. I was like, oh no, I know you're still in there. And so what from your side, what was going on and what was this little mischievous goblin?
1: <laughs> yes, you're, you're referring to what we call the Yao, Y-A-O Yao. And it's, um, they are sneaky, mischievous little entities, energies, not quite harmful. So in the Taoist traditions, they were they're categorized as one of the the lower realm entities. So they're not demons. They're not ghosts. They're not even human. It's more like this. Think of it as like dwarfish or fairyish kind of energy that likes to get into one's psyche. Uh, the Greek word being soul, and kind of manipulate it so the person makes a little bit of erratic decisions, which aren't always ideal for the individual. And the naughtiness that. It, that Results afterwards, this entity feeds off that energy. Mm. Um, what, what first off, I just want to say, Allison, just because I know you and I love the fact that you're a shaman, I would never, I, I do a lot of these energy clearings off of people and I never let them know. Right? They come in and they're they've got some serious stuff on them. And I clearly so, and to the listener, I would never say, Yes, I got it. It's only because you being you that I was comfortable enough to share that. And I love that you brought that up, but I did get it. And what's really cool is um this amazing brown recluse spider that bit me in the back of my leg, it merged with me. So I understood its medicine, right? So if you look at the, the brown recluse spider, it's four times or three times more deadly than the rattlesnake venom, right? it's so more potent. So that, there's a vibration there. And I, because I merged with it, it's in me. I have an, a signature there of what that's like. So when I'm working with these energies, I use that medicine to kind of bite or ensnare these energies I work with to clear the energy because they don't belong. Now, that being said, as a practicing Taoist shaman, we never judge these things as good or bad. They're just there, right? They're part of our process of evolution and healing. And it's quite actually symbiotic where we will both benefit. So if it deviates you, you're meant to have a certain experience as a result of that. Even if it's classified as naughty or unideal, you're meant to have a certain experience and it's meant to have an experience through you. And when the journey is complete, you'll find people like me, each other, that we just clear that it's done, right? And for the people that maybe have a difficult time wrapping their head around this thing, think of it just like if ever anyone's got like a cold or a flu, right? So you have it, now you heal from it. Now someone else has it. Ideally, you've learned enough from having the cold and the flu that you, you can give suggestions. Hey, drink more water, you know, maybe take some vitamin C, get more rest. So there's a, there's a tangible, materialistic way to deal with the flu, So I say that because I, too, Allison, had a yow, just like I've had a cold and flu before. So when you had it, I know what to do with it, right? So it's not really anything that quite mysterious. It's just we've experienced it. So because we've experienced it and know how to clear it, I can then do it to other people.
0: Yeah, I I really, I just enjoyed that whole dance
2: experience. (laughs) Yes,
0: Of like me, you know, I was honored and glad that I, was it a place of awareness that I knew that there was this and I was very, very clear on like the energy of it, the essence of it, the fact that it wasn't trying to like hurt me, but that it was, but I wanted it to be clear and, and then, yeah, just, yeah, the way we were able to be so real with each other in that experience of clearing the yao with honor um, and gratitude and reverence. So is there any other story or experience, whether it was a a personal healing or ceremonial that we could share that would be another highlight of experiencing the other side, the unseen realms? Um, It could be a time you worked with another one of your guides. I don't know if, you know, and I would be curious too, aside from a story, do you have, um, we've talked about Archangel Raphael. And Jesus, is there another guide that you feel in safe space to share that you work with a lot?
1: Again, thank you, Allison. Beautiful questions and, and very out of the box. I don't get asked this a lot, right? So um, yes, a guide that I feel strong resonance and deep love and connection for is Odin. Odin is the god of wisdom, shamanism, and death and poetry in Norse mythology. And another story in that, in the beginning of my shamanic initiation, um, I have a very strong intellect capacity, intellectual capacity. I love to learn things and I love the mind and its ways of understanding reality. I also am aware of its, its limitations. And as I'm learning about all these things, like transcending this reality and entering the other dimensions, my left brain, my logic and intellectual side was having a very difficult time understanding what was happening. So, in one specific instance, I remember driving back to my parents' house. This must have been uh, 2018, and I had gotten out of my car, and I felt a massive energy approaching me. And then I heard whoosh, 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 and just as I was turning my head, a raven came and dinged the right side of my temple. It flew away; it must have been like a hundred feet. I'm looking at it, and I'm, I'm kind of frozen and paralyzed, like, what's going on here? And then it comes right back, right towards me. And it lands at the roof of my parents' house, and he and I just locked eyes, and we connected very deeply. And immediately, the message I got was, got to get out of your head, you're too in your head. And he brushed off on the right side, right? So I think it was a message of getting to the right side, the nonsensical, the, ma- the mystery and the magic. Right, So I was connecting with Raven since then, and he kind of showed me my connection with Odin and how uh, I was what's called a berserker, which is a a warrior shaman in a past life. Mm. Um, It first came to me in a symbol, in a dream where I was seeing what's called the Valknut, it's three triangles together. And um, Odin has actually appeared to me several times once when I was asleep in my room and he appeared on a horse. I had no idea who this was with this spear. And I'm not talking about like the comic Marvel comic book version. I'm talking about the actual Odin. And it was quite the profound experience. And he's got such a beautiful energy, but it's, it's very intense. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really hold my hand as I walk to the fire. He just kind of observes with his one eye.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's a
1: constant reminder to me to sometimes embrace the darkness right? To go inside and to really understand and accept and love the things that are hidden within us. So that's one of the guides that I, I really just love so much. And then a lot of times when I'm in session with clients, their guides show up and mm. it's this beautiful merge. I'll share it to the person. This is who I'm seeing. And they're like, oh my God, it's this person. I, I didn't know that, that person. You could see this person. I learned from that person's guide.
0: Mm. That is so good. And before we talk a little bit more about Raven, is there any other... Um, story or example of otherworldly experiences you feel compelled to share about, or do you feel pretty complete in that portal of things?
1: I mean, Allison, I can go on and on, and I love that you're giving me permission because you know it's like my healing journey. These these were all suppressed, and I, I'd never had a chance because out of fear of ridicule that I would be the charlatan or the the witch that needs to be burned. And so there's so many. So I rather than going into the the other stories, a few more for sure. But I just would love the audience to know that these things they're part of our reality if we're open enough to experience them they're always available i have an amazing video of of my teacher during the shutdown my teacher master jeffrey would lecture in my office and one specific instance um someone that was recording his video captured a fairy spirit circling over one of the crystals over my desk and it circled for at least eight seconds then goes right into the crystal so we have I guess, evidence of otherworldly phenomena happening. And it's always available for us. I do wanna say that this this last week, I had this amazing experience where I was was in the woods in in, uh, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, and Natalie and I were walking and I just felt, I felt something. I didn't know what it was. And I just, I put my hand up like this and she she stopped walking. And after about a minute, all of a sudden, I I began to hear And then out of the brush comes this enormously beautiful black bear. And she and I lock eyes and we look and we connect and then she just goes off and meets her young. And that's that's usually the most accessible because, because animals in nature are wild and primitive and, and untainted by conditioning. They're still tapped in quite easily to the divine. So in terms of an access point, how to connect to the mystery and the mysterious and the magical, It's very easy to to work with nature spirits and animals to get you there because Mm. there's a purity of heart that will allow you to disassemble, disentangle the mind and get into your own heart.
0: Absolutely. Well, you know my love of the animal world and of nature, wrote a book on it called Animal Power that you are actually a part of. So I want to thank you so much for being one of the 25 Global Contributors who shared a personal story you know, about a particular animal, and you shared your story about the raven. I don't know if you have it on your computer screen right now. I do. If you have it, I would love if you would be open to reading it. If you don't have it up, I can read it for you.
1: <laughs> I, I think we shared that I am not savvy technologically. <laughs> I don't have good uh, tech skills. So if you would please
0: Okay, great. So I'm going to read. This is Paul's contribution to my Animal Power book, and he shares about his experience with the raven. So I will read this, and then um, you can share whatever came up for you as I read it. Okay. This is my first time actually sharing anything about the book. I haven't read anything from it. Like, your story is the first time I'm talking about the book on Ceremony circles. So thank you for this opportunity. I'm so excited. Okay. So these are Paul's words. When I began my journey into the ways of Taoist shamanism, my teacher said, you are embarking on the journey home. This is a spiritual journey, and the spiritual journey is a mystical one. I was taught Taoist meditation techniques and practices to help face fears and expand consciousness and to connect with the elemental and nature spirits. After one of those lessons, my left brain, the realm of logic and reason, began to question what I was being taught. As I was reflecting on this, spirit gifted me with the proof I was seeking. I pulled into the driveway of my house in upstate New York, and as I got out of my car, I felt a powerful force approaching behind me. Time and space stood still, and I was filled with an intense connection to the field of energy coming toward my back. I couldn't physically move, but I could hear the flapping of powerful wings. It felt as if nothing else existed. Before I could turn to see what it was, the presence brushed its mighty wing across the right side of my head. It was a magnificent raven. The sacred creature flew past me, then turned around and headed right back toward me, landing on the roof of my house. My eyes filled with tears and my heart beat hard as we looked into each other's eyes and connected soul to soul. (sighs) I feel that. In what seemed like an eternity, but was probably a few seconds, this mysterious creature and I bonded. I experienced a communication with it that transcended physical reality. What was shared in that initiation was that I needed to get out of my head. I literally needed to stop the left brain activity and engage more with my right brain, the realm of magic and mystery, the home of the raven. This is why the raven touched the right side of my head. To remind me of the other half, I was filled with a sense of trust and support and such gratitude for my beloved teacher, whose teaching was repeated to me by the raven. Reason and rationale are the antagonists to magic. Since connecting with the raven as my power animal and sacred ally, its magical presence has continued to support my shamanic journey. I recommend connecting with the raven as a power animal for anyone interested in magic, and especially for anyone on the path of self-discovery. Both processes involve delving deep into the unknown and the mysterious and can at times feel lonely, isolating, and hopeless. Raven has a powerful vibration of support during the dark times, especially when one feels alone. Raven's presence has dramatically improved my life by providing the confirmation I needed to believe in the magic and the unknown. The darkness Raven animates with its beautiful black feathers represents the void and the mystical aspects of reality. Numite, also known as the Sorcerer's Stone, is the perfect crystal to work with in meditation to connect to the Raven. When there is a Raven sighting, take a moment to connect to its palpable presence and feel it. Both practices will create a relationship with this extraordinary and magical creature. Raven is present to help us navigate through. The mystery.
2: Mm, I love that. <laughs>
0: Such an incredible share. Wow. Thank you once again, you know, for sharing that in this book and its contributions like yours that just allowed this living, breathing medicine book to come alive more and more and more. Um, what came up for you in hearing your story read back to you?
1: I would thank you for sharing that, Alice. It was beautifully read. And uh, I would just love to share the depiction of the word shaman in Chinese, right? So, if I can kind of just take the listener through what that looks like, the Chinese radical is so beautiful. It's got a line above, right? And a line below, and a line down the center that connects it. On one side of the line, it says human, the human looking back. On the other side of the line, it says human looking forward. So if you look at this radical, this Chinese character, this is the character for what the Chinese define as shaman. They call it Wu, W-U. So a deeper explanation is the Wu is the person that can connect above, that's heaven, below, that's her, earth, the person that can look into the past, this life and past lives. Then the person that can look into the future, right? This life and next lives. So what is that, right? So the Chinese used an utterance, "wu." the literal definition of shaman is I don't know. So what they're trying to encourage the person to recognize is embrace the mystery. And that's what Raven has taught me. My mind for so many years has sought to know. I wanna learn, I need to know, I need certainty that's one of the fundamental human needs certainty so raven is the invitation to awaken the shaman shaman within you the woo within you and you do that by embracing the unknown without needing to know
0: aho yes indeed and you know i've i'm have grown to love that aspect of this path more than anything you know the great mystery and I'm glad that I'm at that place, but I know that sometimes in the beginning of walking through these gateways, that particular aspect can be the most daunting, um, or the place that, that people can hit up against the most resistance to, because especially in those first steps, in your first opening of that doorway, and 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 wanting and attempting to cross over. Yeah, it's like those two sides colliding at the hardest point at that place, and I think you know that collision point of um, the ego and the the human and and logical hitting up against and feeling into that voided space that that energy of the great mystery that can be the reason why some then perhaps stop and close the door and turn and walk back the other way and don't continue forward and and perhaps don't continue to fully answer the call to shamanism but um you know Paul and I are living breathing proof that there are just boundless miracles and you know, a fascination for life that just grows and grows and grows infinitely. If you just continue forward and, and keep continuing to learn how to trust yourself and discernment and allowing yourself to be guided and and held and led by great spirit and great mother earth and the benevolent um, guides that are perhaps centering in like the animals, the power animals that both Paul and I work with. So that's my little, uh, Add on to what you just shared, but the great mystery is—it has become my favorite part of this earth life.
1: It's so beautiful because it's vast and it's—it's it's infinite. You know, one of the questions my teacher posed to me was, "What does knowing what you know do for you?" Right, and the answer is nothing. <laughs> but there's a finality, there's a finiteness of knowing something. Whereas if you embrace the mystery, it's everything. It's infinite.
0: Yes. And you're able to see the beauty and the medicine and everything too. Absolutely. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it releases the judgment and. Yes.
1: And that's the key, the key, key criteria for a Taoist shaman is the surrendering of judgment because we live in the world of polarity. That's not easy to do. And because we are of the intellectual mind also, we tend to judge everything. So one of the, training modalities for a shaman is to as much as possible let go of judgment
0: yeah yeah so good and i remember at one of my sessions with you you drew the character of wu on a piece of paper for me, and you explained what you shared here. And I had it up on my refrigerator in my place in Brooklyn for years. In fact, I'm sure it's in a box. I have yet, Luke and I, in moving to Texas, we bought a home that we're renovating. So we're not even in the home that we own yet. We're in a temporary place. So all of my stuff are still in boxes in our garage. But one day I'm sure I'm going to unearth the character drawing of Wu that you gave me. And that's always stayed with me that reminder that in your culture, the word shaman means, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) You know, that continuous exploration. So I would love, because listeners um, and myself included, love to learn about various shamanic ways and you are initiated in the Taoist tradition specifically, um, you've already, you know, you've shared some of the guiding principles of of that, that manner of, of shamanism. But I would love for you to share a little bit more like specific to the ways that you've been taught and trained and the ways that you are initiated. I'm sure they're very unique. So I'll just let you take the floor, but um, yeah. What is Taoist shamanism?
1: It's the attempt to be fully you, right? So what I find so fascinating that if you look at the word Ling in Chinese, uh, Ling means soul. So it depicts on the upper radical rain, clouds and rain coming down, which is the essence of life. And then it has three portals, the Po, the Han, and the Shen. Then beneath that is the radical for Wu, shaman. So what the ancients are trying to teach is that within every soul, within every human being, is the potential to be a shaman. So it's about being a guardian. From a Taoist worldview, they are seven dimensions. There's actually nine. Two are not meant for human eyes. So in that seven dimensions, there's three below. These are the nature spirits, the elementals, and then the Po dimension. The Po dimension is the realm of the ghosts. That's the lower realm of energies. We're in the fourth dimension. The human are the middle ground. We're the bridge between what's above now. There's three levels above us. There's what we call the genren, These are the ascended masters, people that were human, that have been able to transcend what it means to be human. And the way they did that was they didn't judge, they just Mm -hmm. loved. Mm -hmm. Jesus is a prime example of this, Mm -hmm. right? Mother Teresa, Buddha. Then above the genren dimension are the realm of the angels, Raphael, Michael, and so forth. Above that is the mystery, heaven itself. So because humanity lies in the middle, It is our responsibility to be the guardians for what's below, earth, and what's above, heaven. So as we negotiate life, part of walking the path of a Daoish shaman is to always consider the trifecta of heaven, earth, and humanity. And we try and attempt to make things as flowy as possible. So sometimes non-resistance is the best approach. Sometimes resistance is the approach, but to be like water as much as possible is the ultimate aim. I said that the the path of the shaman involves letting go of judgment. The prerequisite training is to uncover your fears. So the way that's done is a method called darkroom training. In times of old, the master would have the student go into a cave, actually, for an allotted amount of time, usually about 90 days. But since we didn't have that opportunity, it was instructed that I spend time in a confined dark space for three months. So this was an amazing practice, Allison, because I was living in Slope, Brooklyn at the time, and I did this in my bedroom. So I closed the doors, and as I laid in bed in meditation, um, I would notice out of my windows light would peer through. So I was very committed to my practice. So I actually, I painted the windows so it would be blackened. Right. And I, I lay back in my meditation position and I noticed light was still coming through. So I taped it over. I got drapes. I clocked, I draped the entire wall so no light could enter. And I sat in my metaphorical cave. And even then I noticed light coming through. And then I really recognized the teaching here. That all light is born of darkness and no matter how dark something is the light will always find its way through and that has allowed me to face and overcome some of the deepest fears that have been placed in my experience
0: oh my gosh thank you for sharing that and it you know brought to mind something that i teach a lot you know my shamanism works directly with great mother earth directly with great spirit and the divine wisdom, love, and truth that is me and lives within me, that vertical line. And in you sharing about Taoism, shamanism specifically, it's a reminder of, of the oneness of all it is and all of the interconnectivity because shamanism truly is all is the birthright of all living beings <laughs> it, it is our birthright to get to know the planet that we incarnated on and to get to know great spirit the great mystery the unseen realms and to like you said be be a guardian of that and and of course there are infinite ways in which we can can lean into this shamanic way and and to to learn and for you you know, you've taken various trainings and initiations and and felt a call to lean into Taoism uh, specifically. And for me, you know, I've been I've been blessed to sit, you know, with with various teachers, non-indigenous, indigenous, you know, all walks of life from from various traditions all over the world. but but my the heart and foundation of the truth of my shamanic path is is directly into Gaia, Great mother, and directly up to. Up to source, great spirit. And and yet, you know, this conversation is a reminder that, you know, no matter which lane you get pulled into, earth-based lineage or not, you know, it, it is a birthright of all living beings to, when entered into with reverence and honor and respect, to get to know the shamanic way. Yes.
1: Because it's intrinsic within all of us. Like you say, it's our
2: divine birthright. Absolutely, yes.
0: And there was something else, gosh, that you said. Um, I don't know if it was meant to come back into the conversation. There was a second download that came in and and you're sharing. Let me see if I can find it or if it was just meant to go away. One second. It's not coming back in, but it did. I got brought to, I would love to um, learn a little bit more since you are someone that you know did hear a call into a specific shamanic tradition and so that that is a bit different than how my path has worked i would love if you could share a little bit how that process worked for you i remember you saying through another shaman that you worked with in kingston you that was when that thread began to illuminate that connected you with your with one of your teachers but how did you know you know this was the way for you and what is another example of like you know how that really got solidified between you and your teacher and him taking you on as a student
1: so it thank you again great questions I love it. Um, It was even during the initial first-year initiation, my mind, in its conflict and its desire to know, challenged everything I was learning. Now, I didn't do this overtly. I have too much respect for my teacher to do that, but I, I had a lot of disbelief going on, and what really solidified it for me was in one of the lectures, he offered that he was going to pick a name out of a hat. There was 90 students of us, 90 students that he has taken us to this training. He was going to pick five for a shamanic healing. And I luckily got to be one of those students that got to be healed by this man. So what he did, Allison, was put me on the table and he said, what is your, what is your need? What is your request for healing? And I said, surrender. So he put on a shamanic mask and he came over me. And Allison, when I tell you I looked into this man's eyes and he was not a man, I mean that I have never, I was looking into the void. Now, his stature is not particularly large, his spirit is larger than life. And when they say the eyes are the gateway to the soul, I fully understood that when I looked upon my teacher's eyes. Mm. And what he was doing was using his eyes to heal me. It's called the healing gaze. But he was also using through shamanic movements and dance. He was opening up portals psychically into my shin, my spirit, and something activated. I don't know what it was. I embraced that unknown. And that was my conviction that I had found my master, and this was the path I would walk. So as I delved deeper, I hadn't quite declared myself a Taoist yet. I continued having conversations with Jeffrey, and I asked in a nutshell, what does Taoism mean? He said, Taoism doesn't mean anything, but Taoism gets you to believe in you. And I had my answer right then and there. Yeah, that's all I needed to hear.
0: <laughs> I hope everyone listening was able to receive that blast of a transmission because that, that was a good blast right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ooh, wow. And um, then you were officially initiated a number of years ago. And I'm curious in that tradition. Is there, like, a culminating initiation experience? You know, uh, is there a a ceremony that officially initiates you or something like that?
1: I imagine in China, in old school traditions, yes, absolutely yes. But because... Um, Jeffrey's method of teaching is non-secular. It's non-dogmatic. No, he's very open to what is. So there was nothing formal except that I had a process of education for three and a half years of meeting with him once a month and working on all the teachings he gave.
0: Beautiful. Yeah. So just thanking and honoring him as, as a teacher and a guide and giving respect to him. And as you were sharing, the other thing came in, the download, it was the, the cave initiatory period piece. And, and it was reflecting me back to my time in Brooklyn. I lived in a tiny studio apartment in Cobble Hill. And for about three years, I was taken into my Shamanic cave initiatory period in that little little tiny place, and the way that I even came to live in that place is a whole other trippy story that was very divinely orchestrated. Um, but I knew, I knew pretty quickly um, once I moved into that place, something big was going to be holding and and occurring for me there, and that was where I did for for three consecutive years the deepest deepest shadow work of my life and just getting back to the, the, the root of the root of the root of the tip of the root of just so many different threads and aspects and healings and wounds and triggerings and that portal of that, uh, cave initiatory period really, you know, um, it let die old paradigm energetic systems within me that needed to be let go of in order for me to continue fulfilling and embodying my my work and energy the way I needed to and of course we know with any death comes a birth and it allowed a a new, completely new, um, paradigm energetic system to be born within me that, uh, all these years later, I'm, I'm still, you know, getting to know. And, uh, yeah, anyways, it just, it reflected me back on that time and what like that, that was a, a must have time. Like I, you, I could not skip over that time. Yes. And I didn't know how long it would be. I didn't know how long it would go on for, but I I was fully committed and surrendered and devoted to it. And it was a completely life-changing experience. Yeah.
1: I think there's something to be said about sacred solitude. There's really nothing like it. And there's moments where you can kind of be by yourself and really tune into what's within. Magic happens.
0: <sighs> absolute, absolute magic. And it was from that time, you know, I could literally feel when that three-year chapter was over, I could feel the energetics of that phase go behind me, get on my back, and push me out into the world again. Yes. And it was And, and I was like, oh, okay, we're entering into a new time. And it was not long after that, that I got my book deal that Luke unexpectedly told me after being friends for four years, that he had always been interested. And would I be interested in something other than friends and all these other most glorious, miraculous, divine occurrences came into my life because of my devotion to that isolating period.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yes.
0: So good. Oh, my God. I feel like you're a person I could have like an all-day podcast with.
1: Um, (laughs) I think we've skimmed it to the surface right now.
0: (laughs) Barely. You know, it's like we could just go on and on. And I know we definitely absolutely need to get to the ceremonial portion, but I feel like there's something else I really wanted. Um, You know, I'm curious, like with your folks, with your parents, and maybe you... I mean, I'm kind of sensing what the answer might be, but um, are they aware of what, you know, a devoted, embodied, integrity-filled healer you are? Are they aware of the shaman shaman in you? Do they know what it is that you do now?
1: (laughs) I think they know without knowing. My conscious mind says no, and I'm okay with that. It's, I've spent a lifetime seeking validation and acceptance from my parents. And it's finally after 45 years on this planet where I don't need that anymore.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I, I love it. All right. So yeah, I'm just, you know, this was a totally organic flow, but I'm now like looking at my list of questions because, you know, there were a lot of good things on there and I just want to make sure that I don't skip over anything. Is there anything before we get into your ceremony, just anything at all that's like bubbling up, percolating up inside of you that you feel is important to share at this time?
1: I just, where I'm at in my journey is facing fears because it's, um, it's this greatest restriction for us being free. So if I could invite and hopefully inspire the audience to Face fears in whatever capacity they feel safe enough to do it. I know that's paradoxical, but facing your fears is one of the greatest liberation acts you can ever do. So by example, I have this deep fear that I need to have a sit down with my my dad in particular and rehash all the things that happened and let him know who I am now as a man and look him in the eyes and say, I forgive you. What you did was not okay, but I forgive you. I'm afraid of doing that. But I make the declaration now to you and all the listeners that I'm going to do that because I'm afraid. So if I could inspire the listener listeners to do the same, if something comes along your path that provokes fear, please
2: consider facing it.
0: Hmm. Sitting with what you just shared for a moment. And in that miraculous portal that you just opened up and that share, you know, to everyone joining us, um, know that that portal, I mean, it can hold within it any infinite number of ways in which that dance will work with you for you. And, um, you know, one way the dance could work is you're, you're aware right now of what that thing is like, you already got that hit come in of like, Oh, Oh, as soon as he shared that it's this thing for me right now. And so, you know, this is just one example of infinite ways, but you could either pause this interview right now and, and invite that, that piece in even more, if that's what feels right for you to do, if that's what you feel called to do, to, to continue this activation right now and, and, and leaning in a little bit more and, and perhaps seeing, feeling, um, learning the texture, the essence of what that, that piece is for you. Or you could, you know, voyage with us throughout the the rest of our our chat and and Paul's about to guide a a mini ceremony for us. And maybe when the the whole interview is done, you continue to sit um, in that space and invite that piece forward. And, And perhaps this dance of learning what it means to quote unquote face this fear, it could be one that goes for days, weeks, months of you leaning in, being informed, sharing with that piece love so that it feels safer to explain to you why it's there, it's teachings for you. It could be something quick and instantaneous, whereas the second you lean in and face it after denying facing it for a decade, it's instantly transmuted and and something shifts and alchemize. I'm just, I just felt compelled to share that this What Paul shared is really important work. And there's no one specific way in which you are to do this work. It's just a willingness to be open to it and to be with it and to honor yourself in the process and to honor that fear piece, that teaching as well in the process and in that dance, just trusting what solutions reveal. Um, and trusting the timing and continue going inside of yourself. If a solution reveals, then tune into yourself. Do you feel that now is the time to initiate that solution? And if you feel like maybe you need another week to talk to it to or to be away from it and to give it a bit of a gap before initiating the solution, do that. Yeah, I just wanted to blossom that that piece a little bit more. Very beautiful. So, I would love, since it's been a long time since I've been able to work with you, I'm just excited, whatever mini ritual, prayer, invocation, whatever it is you feel called to offer us. Thank you for your generosity in doing so. And um, just let us know what we need to do to be in receiving.
1: Thank you, Allison. What I'd love to share is one of the most basic but important meditations in Taoist. Cultivation. It's called the microcosmic orbit. And what we're going to do is awaken our inner eye and traverse the two primary meridians. It's called the Ren and the Du that developed in utero. The Ren Mai is a pathway of energy that goes from the top, the crown of your head, down the center of your body, going down towards the genitals, past the cossacks, and up the spine. And it's an orbit. So, what we're gonna do, I'm gonna take the listeners through this orbit three times. And as we orbit, the key here is to feel the regions which I'm naming. Once we feel it, we're going to smile to the area and give it love. Okay, so it develops an intimate connection to the inner energetics of the body. So, all we need to do, I'm gonna join us now, and we're just gonna sit
2: down with our eyes closed and take a moment to feel your eyes. Send love and a beautiful smile to your eyes. We're gonna journey down a straight line towards the tip of our nose. Feel the tip of your nose, send it a smile. Continuing down towards the lips the chin, then the throat, smile towards your throat. Working our way down, connecting to our beautiful heart, smile, send love to your heart. Feel its beautiful beat as you continue downwards, towards the stomach and downward, towards your belly button, your navel. Gently smile and send love to your navel. Continue down towards the genitals. Keep going towards the perineum till we hit the cossacks, the tailbone. Now we work our way up the spine. Bring your awareness to the area behind your navel.
1: This is called Ming Men, the gate of destiny.
2: Smile to your Ming Men, the area behind the navel. Working up the spine, the sacred ladder. Go towards the back of your heart. Feel its beautiful beat, and send love and a smile to the back of your heart. Continuing up, feel the back of your neck, continuing up to the top of your head. Feel the top of your head as it expands upward, sending love and light and a smile to the top of your head. Again, traveling down to the forehead. Your eyes, smile to your eyes. Continuing down to the tip of your nose your lips, chin, throat. Smile and send love to your throat. Traveling down towards your beautiful heart. Send love and light and the smile to your heart. Feel its beat as you travel down. Feel your stomach. Feel your navel. Smile and send love towards your navel. Getting down past the genitals, through the perineum, to the tailbone and work our way up. Feel the area behind the navel. Ming men, the gate of destiny, smile to this area and send it love and light. Working our way up, feel the back of your heart, sending it love and a smile. Continuing up the sacred ladder, past the shoulder blades, Feel the back of your neck. Feel the difference between up here versus down there. Continuing up to the crown. Feel how light and bright this area is. Opening up the crown, sending love and light out. Returning for one more pass, feel your forehead Feel the space between your eyes, yin tang. Smile to your eyes, sending it love. Continue down to the tip of your nose, past the lips, chain, the throat. Smile to your throat. Continuing down, connecting to your heart, feeling its beautiful beat, sending it love, light, and a smile. Continuing down, past the stomach, towards the navel, smiling towards your navel, sending it love. Continuing down past the genitals to the perineum to the tailbone, sending this area of love and a smile and feeling it. Now feel the ascent as we journey upward to the area called Mingmen, the gate of destiny right behind your belly. Smile to mm-hmm. Ming Men. Traveling up the spine, the sacred ladder, towards the area behind the heart. Smiling and sending this area love. Continuing up past the shoulder blades. Feel the back of your neck, the back of your head, and then the top of your head, the crown, Ai Hui. Sending this area love, light, and expansion. Return to your forehead and then the eyes. Smiling and sending your eyes love. Ending with three gentle breaths in the nose, out the nose. When you're ready, gently open the eyes.
0: I liked it in there. (laughs) That was so nice. I could have easily sat in that space for a very long time. I love that. I think I'll continue to... Do that practice each morning at my altar just in that you know uh brief run of it i can already begin to understand you know the many layers yes yeah
1: there's a belief in taoism that there's deities in each of these organs so as we smile we activate that energy and um you'll be pleasantly surprised is when you spend time connecting to these organs the God force within you will come online and have beautiful conversations.
0: Wow. I love that. And as we were doing that, it brought to mind, you know, and and we'll wrap in just a couple of minutes, but it kept coming to me, you know, that balance of, um, inner knowing and, and the importance of, um, you know, going within and learning to trust ourselves yet the value when you feel called to sit in ceremony or a certain immersion or going through a full initiatory training like you did, had the balance of also being able to be taught, you know, different methods and and practices and trainings that have perhaps been, you know, shared for hundreds or thousands of years.
1: Yes. And I think the trust is in resonance that everything that's meant for you will come your way.
0: Yes, indeed, indeed, yes. And, um, we'll end on just like a little bit of a silly light note, but I was curious, um, I know in Chinese medicine or traditions, like the seasons mean different things. And as we're sitting kind of in the heart of summer, we just recently had the solstice and your episode will definitely be out during the time. I wondered if you could share with us, like what summer means or the energetics of now.
1: It's a beautiful time. Summer is associated to the fire element, so it's also associated to your heart and small intestine. So it's all about happiness and love and joy. It's about spontaneity. <laughs> it's about uh, purification from an alchemical tradition. It's about transformation. It's about change. Um, it's about movement, right? So now is the time to get things going. Move so that we can reap a harvest for the fall time. Fire, in terms of Power Animals is also about the phoenix, right? So it's about this mythological power animal that is burned by its fire, but then is
2: reborn again. So it's about rebirth
0: beautiful perfect and i always share in all the show notes and on my instagram posts how people can connect with you and find you but if you also just want to let folks know if they're like oh my gosh like i really want to work with this guy as i'm sure some are how can they find you and how how are you offering services right now
1: thank you so much Alice, and i really appreciate that having i would say struggled trying to promote what i do i've surrendered that as well and i trust that Whoever's meant to find me will. Now, that being said, I do have a website. <laughs> it's under construction, but it's pkalexander.com. And I think I'm, I'm trying to be as active as possible on Instagram, which is uh, Paul K. Alexander. And thank you for allowing me to share that, Allison.
0: Beautiful. And can we end, for some reason, um, when I was doing research, I'd never known what the K stood for. Could you say your full name out loud?
1: Thank you again so much. I was born into this world, Apipon Kamawekaset. Now, that might give some listeners a clue as to why I fought a lot as a kid, right? But um, I was raised, I had Sicilian, beautiful Sicilian nannies growing up and they called me Polly, Polly. So I got the name Paul, which I love that the biblical the story of from Saul to Paul, the the, the story of change, right? So I, I took on Paul as a name. Kamawekaset was the name that actually the monk who, at the time when he became an abbot, he was the one that told me how everything was in my head. He gave that name to my father. It means, chemo it means, one who has achieved peace and tranquility. So I'm not quite willing to give up that name because it's something I strive for, so I kept it as a middle name. And so that my son wouldn't have to endure some of the teasings that I did. I changed, when he was born, I changed my last name to Alexander. Alexander's from the Greek, Alejandros, which means protector of humanity. And I do my absolute best, whether I wore the hat as a police officer or now a a shamanic healer, uh, I do my best to serve humanity. So Mm -hmm. thank you for letting me tell about my name.
0: Of course, yeah, I felt really called to do that. So thank you so much, dear brother. I love you and respect you so much, and I'm so grateful for your generosity today. Thank you.
1: The feeling is mutual. I love you and thank you.
0: Woo, what a powerful voyage that was. It is just my greatest honor. It brings me so much joy and activates and lights up my soul to be able to sit with these incredible, embodied, true spiritual masters and leaders from all over the world. I ask that you please, if you feel called, continue to support them and their work in whatever way that feels aligned for you. Please go to my website where all the show notes are listed www.alisoncharles.com. That's www.a-l-y-s-o-n-c-h-a-r-l-e-s.com, so that you can access their direct links to their website and social media platforms and additional information about them. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle so unique is that at the end of every single episode, as you just experienced, we immerse in a powerful ceremony, ritual, invocation, prayer, spiritual song, some sort of activation that the guest feels called to offer on that day. So listen to your intuition. If at any point. Moving forward, you feel called to come back and re-immerse in this guided ceremonial experience do so because I guarantee every single time you experience it, you will receive a new medicine transmission, a new awareness, a new awakening aspect within your soul. It has been an honor voyaging with you. Please keep the Ceremony Circle community vibes growing and activating. Find me on Instagram at I am Charles, And let me know how you enjoyed this episode. Let me know how you are creating your own sacred Ceremony Circle space. Tag those in your soul fam who are immersing in the Ceremony Circle episodes and experiences with you. And let's unite in the next episode coming out next week. So we can continue to activate the consciousness energies of planet Earth and the universes.